Welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. Hello and welcome to the Armor Men's Health Hour. I'm Dr. Mystery, your host, here as always with my co-host, the very intelligent, incredibly stylish Donna Lee. That's right. A brilliant and stylish and super sexy. Well. Today. In her mind, at least. Um, (laughs) Welcome to our show. This is a men's health show. I am a board-certified urologist. We talk about a number of topics that can affect men's health, including those that are specifically urologically based, like testosterone and kidney stones and prostate cancer. But we love to talk about all the things that cause men illness or uh, lack of wellness. Our urology practice has been around in Austin since 2007. We got a whole bunch of locations, huh? We do. We have locations all over. We have Round Rock, North Austin, South Austin, and the fabulous Dripping Springs. You know, I don't give kudos to the other locations like I do Dripping Springs. I should probably start doing that. They love dripping and dripping. They love dripping, and we're trying to fix that We're dripping. trying to fix all the dripping and dripping. As urologists, we fix incontinence, in case you guys are wondering. In case there's someone sitting at home going, what the hell do they do? You know, um, <laughs> a lot of people wonder if my name is a gimmick. It is not. Dr. Mystery is my real name, M-I-S-T-R-Y. Mm-hmm. But you know what I would, if I was going to be in the military, and I was going to be a major in the military, mm-hmm. you know what my last name would be? Gun. Gun. What? Major Gun. <laughs> Uh, I would love that, wouldn't you? (laughs) That's exactly who I was. Speaking of. That's a segue into our guest, (laughs) the former retired major gun of the U.S. Air Force. (laughs) Nadej, welcome. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Dr. Major Gun. Dr. Major Gun. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was in residency and and in medical school, I would hate to admit anybody that I was ever kind of afraid of certain organs, but the (laughs) pancreas and the liver, those are two organs that I never really understood. They kind of look funny and then you invariably you stick things in them by accident when you're operating <laughs> and that they're frightening and people that have pancreatic and liver disease are very very sick mm. and you dedicated your life to these people <clears throat> absolutely oh my and, well what prompted you to go into liver disease medicine probably because i like alcohol and uh, i just wanted to know <laughs> major gun <laughs> i just wanted to know what the long-term ramifications of that were and how it was I a long go. night it was a long weekend and i was like oh boy i hope i'm not hurting myself <laughs> Signing up for medical school. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, it just seemed very fascinating to me. And the disease course is quite complex. And I thought I could make a difference by helping people with this disease. And knowing that ultimately, in many cases, if the liver starts to fail, there's transplantation as, an, as a fix for that. And, and, I, and I enjoyed that. So that's wow. why I did it. So, so uh, next to urologists, of course, I've always thought that hepatologists were like the smartest doctor right below urologist. Just under. Just barely. Just just under urologist. And what uh, often fascinated me about hepatology was that you do a lot of transplant medicine. So it's not just chemistry balance. It's not just helping people with horrific end of liver disease kind of problems like the cirrhosis causes fluid in the abdomen and and varices with bleeding vessels everywhere and bleeding out their throat and then living after liver transplants no walk in the park either it's It's a huge incision somebody either has to donate part of their liver or somebody has to die die to get a liver and then you have to be an anti-rejection i mean liver disease sucks yeah i agree it's hard the people who spend tireless hours helping patients with liver disease know that it's complicated and they have a special calling to help those people so that they're just like anybody else when we look at liver disease we know well at least as a physician i know what a really sick liver patient looks like what i don't know is what is a less sick liver patient and this concept of fatty liver 
was something that I guess I heard more about when I was finishing training, but I'm out of it. And I don't know, I see so many patients diagnosed with fatty liver and I don't know what it is or how to fix it or why people should care. Well, it's really not that easy to identify out the box. So you really have to be discerning and looking. But the first thing I would say is look at your patients. If you see someone who's an obese, diabetic, Hispanic female, maybe that's a that's a good phenotype of patients that are likely to have fatty liver, diabetes in, in particular. They may or may not have abnormalities in their liver enzymes, but the fact that they have those metabolic syndrome disorders, it's likely that they could have fatty liver just swimming in the background as well. And the way for you to identify that is you can start with just some liver enzymes. If they're abnormal, and when I say abnormal, it may not be that the lab calls it abnormal and it's red on the, on the uh, lab profile. It's just the AST greater than 19 in a female or greater than 30 in a male, that might be a trigger to look into liver disease. Also the platelet count, the platelet count kind of flies under the radar, but if you see a platelet count less than 150,000, that might be someone with advanced uh, liver disease. And there is a technology which is relatively new, it's called a FibroScan. It will measure the stiffness of the liver. So if you have a patient that you're suspecting fatty liver disease in, especially who fits that phenotype of diabetes, overweight, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, have them get a FibroScan in the community where we can measure the stiffness of the liver and tell you if you're possibly dealing with a liver disease of um, clinical significance. So you touched on a couple of great points. Mm -hmm. One we harp on all the time here, normal on a lab sheet may not mean normal for you. Right. So if you suspect something is going on with your health, make sure you're going to an expert that has a deeper understanding of what you're really looking for. But if we took a step back, fatty liver is a word or, you know, two words <laughs> okay, fatty Bernie. liver okay mm-hmm. <laughs> so so then you have you know back in the old days uh we used to do an ultrasound and somebody saw i guess more fat in the liver so i mean wh- who cares if it's a fatty liver what, what does that mean like to the function of the liver so that means that the liver is now incorporating fat into its tissue and fat is toxic to the liver so really i like to call the, the liver like a skinny organ it likes to be thin when fat starts to incorporate itself into the liver, and we're talking greater than 5% fat, now the liver gets upset. It starts to trigger inflammatory cytokines and it just continues to irritate the liver over time. In an effort to protect itself, the liver will start laying down collagen, which is scar tissue. And then that scar tissue progresses over time and fatty liver, and we're talking non-alcoholic fatty liver, so people that don't drink necessarily in excess, this fatty liver over time can progress to cirrhosis. And that's why it's so dangerous because you have this, say, 60-year-old female who never drank a day in her life suddenly is told she has fat in her liver, but hey, we'll watch it, lose some weight. And then in the next five, 10 years is on a liver transplant list because of cirrhosis and and complications thereof. So is the fat in the liver because you're eating or your health is such a way that it's just finding another way to put fat? Or is it something wrong with the way the liver has decided to metabolize fat? It's, it's a constellation of all those things. So we know that when we eat certain foods, especially carbohydrates, those get transformed into fat in the liver. And the liver has its own way of creating fat by virtue of what we eat. Then you're talking insulin resistance, diabetes, and all these kind of trigger cascades within the liver too to process and metabolize fat in a dangerous way. And so then you're looking at the collagen uh, deposit or the scar tissue formation and ultimately cirrhosis. And the scar tissue, the terminology we use is fibrosis and that's how we know that there's some scar in the liver and that can progress over time now what you touched upon with the inflammatory impact of fat is 
another fascinating part of what we talk about on this show all the time. And that is that inflammation as a common effector of many disease processes, cardiovascular disease, in your case, fatty liver. For us, it's going to be prostate cancer, kidney stones, Mm -hmm. on and on and on. And we have so much higher incidence of all of these things in people with diabetes, as well as people who are obese. And so fat as a common inflammatory proponent Mm -hmm. or predetermined, it really speaks to exactly what we do here all the time. So if somebody's diagnosed with fatty liver, is that like the end of it? Like that that's where they're at. They're not going to get any better. What, and, and how do you monitor them? When you're diagnosed with fatty liver, the first thing any physician will tell you is you have to lose weight. We know that when people lose weight and it's not much weight, it could be five, 10% weight loss that is going to reverse the inflammation and it can reverse the fibrosis or the scar tissue. So weight loss is paramount, but you know, as well as I do that weight loss is challenging and people often don't maintain their weight loss and the liver doesn't know which way to go when you're not really keeping consistent with your weight loss uh, measures. So we have to look for other things. And so currently there are no FDA approved drugs that treat fatty liver. However, vitamin E and um, a diabetes medicine called pioglitazone have been researched and recommended in patients who definitely have the aggressive form of fatty liver, which is called NASH or non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. Clinical trials are ongoing looking for that perfect medication that we can use in conjunction with well-controlled diabetes and cholesterol and blood pressure medication to help treat the liver. And so you work with Pinnacle Research, right? Right. And you are really right there on the forefront of enrolling patients and studying medications and treatments for uh, fatty liver. Tell me about what you're doing and how they would enroll in a study or learn more about it. Oh, well, we have cutting edge clinical trials in phase two and three. So uh, whenever someone asks, well, what does phase two and and three mean? Well, clinical trials range from phase one when you're just looking at safety and phase two and three, now you're looking at effectiveness. Are these drugs really making a difference? So I would say the phase two and three are later phase studies. We have a number of medications with different mechanisms of actions to help with combating the fatty liver disease. And in order for someone to get involved with us, all they have to do is call. We can bring them in to have a scan of their liver to see if they have anything really significant enough to You'll give them a fibro scan, right? Absolutely. At no cost, they can come in and have one. What's the number they call? They call 512-384-1560. And we'll put that in the uh, the show notes. And we're done with this segment here. We ran out of time like you know, a long time ago. But Donna, why don't you tell us how to go, get oh, a hold sure. of us? 512-238-0762. Our website's Health at gmail.com. The Armor Men's Health Hour will be right back. If you have questions for Dr. Mystery, email him at armormenshealth at gmail.com. 